Hello and welcome to the Visible Man podcast. I'm Jack Rollins, the producer of the show. At Visible Man, our mission is to connect men in need, create a visible network of advocates, and train key men in existing social networks to provide a foundation of support. On this episode, Jeff chats with the essential stepmom, Tracy Poisner, about how to be an amazing stepmom without driving you, your partner, or your partner's kids absolutely nuts. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Adventurer, coach, chef, teacher, audience, superhero. If you're a parent, you've done it all this past year. But the one thing you may not have done is take care of yourself. And it's nearly impossible to keep everyone else full of joy if you're feeling empty. At Boys Town, we know that a parent's mental health is important too. So when it's all too much, take a break and regroup. It's a great strategy that puts things in perspective so you can deal with challenges. The review and recalibrate method of self-care helps you see what's working and what's not. Go to boystown.org slash stressed out for more great self-care tips for parents. You can even download an ebook to guide you and your family through self-care strategies. Because healthy parents are key to happy families. Boystown, saving children and healing families. So today we're here with Tracy Poisner, who is the host of the Essential Stepmom podcast and a Facebook group where she discusses how to navigate the complex relationships that can come after divorce between partners and their kids. Uh, she also offers personal coaching for families finding themselves in what can be a, what I'll call a messy quagmire of family relationships. Um, so be- before I uh, turn to Tracy, I just want to introduce Visible Man as a place for men to meet each other and establish connection and meet with professionals. We invite guests like Tracy to come in and help us learn. And uh, we make it uh, possible to interact through us with the Discord server that we've got going. Then afterwards, we publish all the discussion as a podcast and all are welcome. Uh, We have a separate channel where men and women can join us to talk about men's mental health. So if you're listening, come join us on the server. Thanks for being with with us here, Tracy. Thanks for inviting me. And I, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really, really happy that this exists, like that this Discord server is here and that you oh, have awesome. this space. Like, I think it's fantastic. Really. Yeah. And you've joined us there. So we yeah. like, it's great. It's awesome. There's um, it is great. We have uh, good discussions about men's mental health in there. And to have your perspective as a woman, a mom, a stepmom, a wife, it's awesome because I am none of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, evidently. But no, it's I, I am very happy to be in there and to be of any help. And I do also have a Facebook group for dads and mm-hmm. you know, there's about 100 guys in there or something. But but it's not so easy for them to talk freely as it is on a Discord server where you kind of give yourself a an avatar, an identity, whatever, you know, and once you're, you know, you're in a Facebook group, there's some kind of, unless you've made a fake profile for yourself already, there's some attachment to who you are. And, and the guys have expressed occasionally some concern, you know, like they message me privately instead of mm-hmm. posting right on the group because they're, a lot of them are involved in legal cases, right? And mm-hmm. their exes are using all kinds of dirty tricks for lack of a better word to get dirt or whatever. And they've got people out trolling social media, looking for what, what are you posting, you know? And so it's hard. I, I get it that it's hard on a social media platform to be open and honest about those aspects of your life that are really under scrutiny. So this is great. Well, I, I appreciate that comment. It's the server. Yeah. I mean, you can join it and you can be anonymous or you can use a real name. This is my real name, but as a part of your Facebook group, which I'm also in, it I can kind of, I can kind of see what you're saying about the anonymity is kind of a, a benefit because I mean globally, 
it's hard for people to open up. And I think it's particularly hard for men to open up. And, I, and I'm wondering if you could comment on that. You've probably seen that a lot. We were talking before we started about in marriages and relationships, how the wife or stepmom or mother is trying to get their guy to open up. So I wonder if you could comment on what you've seen so far. I think by and large, like maybe the, maybe the thing that I'm doing that I'm the happiest about is helping the wives understand better what their partners are going through. Um, because it's, I, I, I don't know if it's because I went through it already as a more mature person, let's say like I was married already for 13 years and then I was single for a while. And then I, you know, got married to, or I got together with my husband. And so like I was in my forties already when I was having this, these experiences. And I don't know if it's just age or maybe it's a function of having been a, you know, I'm, I've been a homeopath for 20 years. So I'm a natural health professional and people come to my office and they talk about their problems. So I, I have a lot of experience listening to people's emotional problems and their family issues and their childhood background and whatever that comes really naturally to me. So I feel like I, I have maybe even just an intuitive handle. And I've also worked hard, I'll be honest, to, to learn more. You know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts myself, trying to listen to guys expressing their, their own experiences. And that was how I met you, right? I, I heard you mm -hmm. on a podcast. I said, that was amazing. I got to talk to that guy <laughs> because you were really articulate and open about your experience. And I think it's rare and I wanted to be able to distill that and explain to these women, like your partner is still carrying a heap of hurt related to his divorce. And you don't get it because, you know, you just started dating him and everything was good. And you kind of don't want to be dragged in back into the idea that he was with somebody else before and had kids with that lady. And so that's a painful place for the woman to go that constant reminder that there's a backstory to your guy and it involves another woman. Mm -hmm. Very often it involves another woman who was able to have babies and you're either past that point in life or you never were able to do it or you're trying and you can't. I mean, there's just a lot of fraught stuff around that. And so there's kind of a barrier of going there and understanding what was happening before and how it's impacting the now. So the barrier before, uh, the barrier between the new partner or wife and the husband in, in terms of what he's dealing with from before. Yeah. From the, when, yeah. You, when you say it, before, like the divorce. Yeah, like it's hard for him to go there because he's so still so beat up about it. And it's mm -hmm. hard for her to go there because she already feels like the second in line or the second best or the second choice or the mm -hmm. not as, you know, whatever like that just gets reinforced all the time. And it doesn't help that, you know, the sort of societal archetypes that we have about like either the second wife or the stepmom, neither of them are very flattering. <laughs> right. And um, yeah, so that's, a, you know, it's a reason that, that she's not so comfortable going like being in that world of how hard that was. And for all the same reasons that, that you've shared about, how you feel about being divorced and how you feel about the failure of your family project. That's so central to who you are as a person. And as a man, you know, to have failed as a protector provider for your kids. And, you know, that's just, you know, it's, it's awful. And so you don't want to kind of like what sort of wallow in that or display that for your new partner who hopefully you're starting over with in kind of a fresh, from a fresh slate or whatever, mm -hmm. it's hard to go there. So I think I'm able to, you know, help these women understand how to support their partner, their husband, their boyfriend in being a parent and how to do that without thinking that the, that they're supposed to be a parent themselves because mm. that's not really what's supposed to happen. I, I don't know if you could see me, but I sighed almost like you <laughs> hugged me like through this virtual. I was like, when you said you, I, I do, I, I feel like 
a fail. I feel like I failed my marriage. I feel like I failed my kid. Like I just yeah. failed. Like, yeah. Ah. yeah. And I love my kids and I, you know, I'm, but there's a lot that I carry still and I'm five years out, six years yeah. out. Yeah. So how, when you say you've, uh, you help the women. Yeah. So there's, there's like a, almost two ways you can look at it. You, you can help the wives or the partners or, you know, yeah. girlfriend, um, help them help the guy and you can help yeah. the guy. So what is that? How, how does that go? Um, it, it goes, I was, I just said to you before we got on the call that I, sometimes I feel like I'm standing with my feet in two different boats, you know, that mm. are kind of drifting away from each other a little bit, but mostly, mostly it's the women who reach out to me first and they, invite their partner to listen to my podcast or to watch my videos because I do a live video pretty much every week in my women's group and then they either suggest to their husband that he should join my dad's group or they have him listen to the material and in some cases they you know push him a little bit and say you know call Tracy and maybe talk about working with her because you know I, I do I do a free session for anybody who wants to talk to me. Um, I want people to experience what coaching is like in this context. You know, it's kind of a blend of personal coaching and, and parent coaching, I guess you would say. But sometimes the, the wives are the ones who sign on for coaching with me because they want to overcome their own insecurities and their own sense of not really understanding where they belong and, and how to deal with the dysfunction of their households. Cause you know, most of these step families are having some kind of dysfunction in them. It's not smooth for anybody. So sometimes they with the women work with me first and then the husband is, you know, really happy that things are going so much better. <laughs> uh, and, and says, Oh, you know, maybe that, maybe that'd be good for me too. Hmm. So most of your clients are women that bring that. And I guess I'm trying to think of uh, how does I get, how does it go over when like I'm picturing, so I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago and they were worried about a, a wonderful woman who was going through separation and she um, was worried about her husband and she didn't know what to do to help as they were separating. It's like, what a loving okay. mom and, and, you know, yeah. to help him, but she didn't know how to help him. So how does, what do those conversations look like? When well, the but wife that wouldn't be, to... so that wouldn't be my dynamic mm. because like I'm, I'm looking at the guy who is already in a new relationship. I, I mean, mm. he might just be single and find me randomly. There are some single guys who, on my, in my group who just found it on Facebook or whatever, mm. but mostly it's the wife, the new wife of this guy who is already separated or divorced, mm -hmm. who is having trouble because mostly bec it's mostly the place where it's bothering. Well, I guess there are two things that the ex is really being invasive in his new life, that she's really trying to mess with his head and she's not letting go. She's not giving up. She's doing, just doing everything she can to uh, make it uncomfortable. She's um, charging him with, offenses that she knows aren't true with abuse or physical or emotional abuse or whatever. She's telling the kids that he's not paying any child support and they're always mad at him and he doesn't know why, or they're, she's telling the kids that they don't have to listen to the new woman because she's not their stepmom and they better not like her and whatever. So there's all this dysfunction happening in her home. And the dad is like, he's just overwhelmed. He's, he's kind of got the kind of deer in the headlights syndrome and he's just trying to get from weekend to weekend with his kids and there's like no no plan like there's no time for a plan he's just it's all he can do to be with them and kind of you know go to the movies or get hamburgers or play twister or whatever and get them back like he he just doesn't have any bandwidth for longer term planning and uh and she can see that this isn't this isn't, it doesn't seem right. What's happening. Like he's never, you know, they, they're lying, they're stealing things. They're, you know, breaking their curfew. They're not going to bed on time. They're not getting any of their homework done or whatever it is. And she's like, 
you know, how come nothing's happening here? Like there's no parenting happening. And he's completely stuck because he can't move an inch without the ex climbing down his neck or without the kids saying, you know, we don't want to come to your house anymore because we don't like your rules. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a terrible dynamic of, of parenting from a place of fear and the fear is real and the guilt is real. And they, you know, the women talk about, you know, guilty dad syndrome. Well, it's, of course he's guilty. If he's a nice guy, he feels guilty. Like only an asshole wouldn't feel guilty that his kids are having to split their lives going back and forth between two houses. It sucks. It does suck. And it, I, the guilty dad syndrome is, yeah. I mean, I consider myself a nice guy and I, I can relate to the feeling of a divided household or whatever you want to call it post-divorce and the rules are different and it's a tough situation to be in. Um, it really is. So the the women are sort of coming together in these massive stepmom groups that there are online, just like hearing other people's stories and understanding that the situation is their situation is not so unique. Lots of people go through this and learning for themselves how to get out of the way and just let dad take however long it <laughs> takes to figure it out because this is something new, you know, he is now having to be both the good cop and the bad cop. And that was not the situation in the previous household, by and large. Um, So he's having to adapt his parenting style, he's having to learn how to, to learn how to parent in the face of this very real obstruction from the other household. And it requires some parenting tools that are brand new because nobody needed those before. You didn't need to parent around, like mom is undermining you as a parent. Like that doesn't generally happen. I mean, maybe it happens before you get divorced. It's one of the, one of the reasons that you get divorced, but like, that's not, that's not how it goes by and large in a, in a first family, in a traditional nuclear family. So there's all these brand new parenting techniques and tools that he doesn't know about, he doesn't, you know, it's like, he doesn't know why it's not working, whatever he's doing or trying to do, or he just feels too uncomfortable. He thinks the only thing that he can do is be more strict and he doesn't want to do that because it's going to push his kids away. So, you know, dads have to learn a whole new way of being in many cases, not, not every dad has this problem, but but in many cases it depends on the age of the kids and it depends on the relationship with the, with the ex and all of that, but the, the, the women need to have confidence that getting out of the way could, could be what leads them to having a better family relationship in the end. You know, you, you have this sense that if you're pulling away, you're sort of setting the stage for you living in a corner somewhere and not being part of this family. And that's not what they want. So, so that's what I guide them through. I'm picturing what that, what that would look like for a guy, because if you, you know, in a new situation like that, when there's, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty and you said that the guys kind of need to figure it out and the woman and I'm, you know, needs to yeah. step to the side so he can learn. How does that go over with the guys? Cause like, what does it look like from the out? I'm, I'm a guy. I don't know what it looks like from so sometimes like a, it, sometimes a it looks perspective, like, you know, it sometimes it looks like help in the beginning because you know, if you're a divorced dad with a couple like of help me, more, maybe? yeah, mm-hmm. like it looks like at first, like, thank God, like there's another pair of hands here, right? Like I can go to the bathroom and not worry that they're swinging from the chandeliers or I can, you know, <laughs> I can like, like have a nap after work or I can whatever that there's like some moment of time that you don't have to be all about your kids or that while you're playing with your kids, somebody's making dinner and you're not having to play with the kids and then throw everyone in the car and go to the drive-through because you didn't think about what, you know, we were going to eat or whatever. So at first it looks like help, but then it starts to slide into expectations and sort of expected roles. And it's just kind of insidious. I don't think anybody like, there's no malice intended, but everybody kind of slides into a comfort of feeling like, well, this is the new like family 2.0 and, 
and the the woman is going to do those mom things and I'm going to do those dad things. And they both kind of get disappointed because dad needs to do the mom and the dad things to, in, in some respect, right? Like dad needs to be a hundred percent present for the kids. And, and the woman needs to not be unconsciously fulfilling her maternal drive in interacting with his kids. And it's so hard for them because they, you know, they so often say, well, but the mom in the other house isn't paying attention to them. She isn't doing homework with them. She isn't feeding them well. And like my husband works such long hours and he comes home and he's exhausted. Like somebody's got to do this for these kids. Like somebody's got to take care of them. Somebody's got to provide this nurturing or this good nutrition or this work ethic or whatever it is. And somehow like there, there just needs to be a sense that, that whatever you're doing is in service of dad's connection with his kids. So that, you know, if you're doing the homework with them, just for instance, it has to be because dad asked you to help with that and not because you care more about their homework than, than he does, you know, mm. and you can, you can help them with their homework, but you can't be the one saying, have you done your homework? You have to do your homework or else you don't get any TV time. Right. Or like, you know, you're going to bed without any dessert because you didn't do your homework. Like it slides into the parenting, like the discipline part. And I'm always telling people, you know, the whole world is full of therapists who are working with adults, you know, that every therapist in the world has somebody on their couch and not one of them is talking about how they were never good enough for their third grade teacher or their <laughs> baseball coach or that, you know, you really, you only care about pleasing your parents. You only care about being validated by your mom or your dad and the difficult relationships that you're going to want to work out as an adult are your parents and potentially your siblings. So as a not, not a parent, like they don't feel drawn from deep, deep inside to please you in the same way. You can be like a, you can be a surrogate for dad's, rules you can say you know that your dad expects you to get this or that done or whatever but like there's this gentle redirection of making him the like he is the boss he's the parent that matters hmm. and um it makes it it makes a big difference and women go wrong unintentionally when they kind of step over that line and start saying well, that's not allowed in my house. You can't do that. Hmm. Like, I, I don't accept that. That's not acceptable or whatever. Like, then it becomes you who's creating uh, the terrain of, of rules and behaviors and morals and whatever it might be. And that's the piece that doesn't belong to you. So I, there might be some women listening right now who say, well, she's full of shit because I do that in my house. And, you know, every every family is different. And of course, there are some places where it just works. There are women in my group who just, they're the total boss matriarch, mm. like kick-ass woman of the house. They tell everybody what to do. And, you know, she's got the bio mom all wrapped up, like that's taken care of. And she's her, her ex-husband, she's got him totally taken. You know, they just do it. They're that kind of personality. And they're able to manage everybody and everybody just defers to them. And okay, God bless you. Like if it's working for you, do it. But most of the problems I see have to do with this crossing this invisible line, or as I say, like you're stubbing your toe on the moving boundaries because they're, they're never in the same place. It's moving all the time. <laughs> now, how do the guys react? Sometimes they're not very happy hmm. because there are some guys who consciously or unconsciously, you know, meet a new woman and she takes to their kids and they think, hallelujah, like this is a godsend. Mm. The guy's and, thinking that. Yeah, because yeah. she's taking over a whole lot of parts that he doesn't really want to do. And God knows he doesn't want to yell at his kids. He does not want to yell at his kids. And if she'll do it for him, he's okay with that. Mm. And the problem is that the kids start 
either back talking her or not wanting to be there and complaining about her and not wanting to come over because of her or uh, being disrespectful to her. Like at some point he has to wake up and deal with that because she's not going to stick around. Like the divorce rate for second marriages with kids. You want to take a guess? Uh, well, first marriage is like 50%, right? Yeah. If ish, um, maybe 40 ish, to 50. I'm going to guess 70. Yeah. Close, close to seventy percent. Yeah, it is. So, like, wow, you you know, your your second marriage with kids has a one in three chance of of lasting. Hmm. So you can't just wing it. Like, you just can't just wing it. And at some point, the dad has to clean up this mess that Hmm. happened. Like, he he has to at least be enforcing some basic, some kind of basic civility between his kids and the and his partner, some like basic courtesy that you would offer someone on the street or in a store or or a a teacher or the neighbor or something. Right. And, but they've gone down this pathway where she was okay with being the bad cop and he was happy to be the good cop. And it, it can't work like that because the kids don't care eventually about pleasing the bad cop. They, they're not attached to you. And, and then finally, it's no fun to live with that kind of situation where you're the meanie all the time and they don't like you. And it's like, it just falls apart. It's not what anybody signed up for. Yeah. So sometimes it's hard at first, but then it usually writes itself. Sometimes there are situations where the women decide, okay, these kids are giving me such a hard time about Uh, you know, every time I talk to them about doing their homework, I get the lip. So I'm going to stop mentioning it. I'm just not going to mention it anymore. And, and so then it eventually comes to dad's attention that the kids are not doing well in school. And then he can decide whether or not he wants to deal with that or not. And, And it's his, it's his decision. And she has to be okay with that. If he's okay with them, you know, getting C minus and scraping by because He's allowed to make the decision that his relationship with them, like the good parts of his relationship are more important to him than whatever he would have to go through to like enforce the homework thing or however he perceives it. He's allowed to make that decision. It's they're his kids and it's his family. And if she disapproves, well, they're, they're not her kids. He gets to make those choices. So sometimes there's a lot of freedom that comes with it. She's not nagging him anymore about his kids and that Mm -hmm. feels better and they're not the kids aren't nagging him about her anymore because she's not bugging them so that's more pleasant and then all that's left if he wants to address it is the parenting piece of how he can get back into the driver's seat and be you know be a father be a leader be you know, making the impact that he wants to have in their lives and not just be a fun guy every other weekend. Like mm. he can, now he can address like, okay, how do I do that? How, what, what do I do to not be the kind of dad that my dad was who yelled and slapped us around or whatever it might be? Like, I don't want to go there. What are my other choices? And that's where my little trainings and, you know, the stuff that I do in my group, but like, that's what I, what I talk about. Part of what I talk about is those kind of parenting tips for, for this kind of situation where you don't have your kids all the time, where you can't, you know, there's a lot of tools that aren't available to you because they, they don't go over well. You can't, you can't use a certain, certain parenting styles aren't going to work where you have this back and forth and mom is, is dissing everything that you do. You, You have to, be smarter it's a, you have to be smarter it's not yeah. it's not harder work but it's a it's a different approach yeah now i want to ask about um a slightly different perspective so you're mm-hmm. a stepmom but you're also a wife yeah and a mother and you yeah. have men in your life from the perspective of a woman looking at men's like looking in on your husband's mental health or yeah. the, the men or boys in your life yeah. What is it like from that perspective? Like when you see men struggling or when you see trying to reach them, like these, these wives are trying to reach their husbands. Yeah. Um, how do they react and how, do, how, what, how would you reach them? Gently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I'm always waiting for the right moment to have a certain kind of conversation. 
and at this point, you know, I've been together with my husband for coming up on 15 years. So, you know, I, I, I know him pretty well, but it was a lot of years of not getting it. And I was that woman. I mean, I haven't said this, but I was that woman who overstepped like big time in in a different direction because in our, in our household, he is the more strict parent. Actually, he's very easy with being demanding and strict with his kids. He's also very loving. He's also the cook. He, he's like, I've never done one piece of their laundry in all of these years. He does all the laundry. He cooks for them. He does all of their dishes. Like, I have zero complaints, of, you know, from that point of view, he's the strict one, but I'm the one who's more likely to take their side. And I'm the one who's more likely to, um, to intervene somehow on the kid's behalf with their dad. And I had to learn to just butt the hell out. Like mm. if he wants to have what seemed to me to be pointless fights with his kids because they're, you know, he's in a bad mood or something like it's who he is. He gets to do that and then wiggle out of it afterwards. And like, I, I didn't grow up in a house where people had arguments like that, but we did all kinds of different dysfunctional shit in my house <laughs> when we were growing up. And I had to realize like, my way, like the way that I grew up was not necessarily the way. It's just the way that I know. It's my default way. It's what feels comfortable to me. So I'm uncomfortable, like peeking into someone else's family at those moments of difficulty or where, yeah, where something is happening, where people are yelling at each other and saying terrible things or, but like, okay, like it's just so go away and don't listen to it because they have they they get to have those fights and make up with each other and be better afterwards and i don't think it's necessary like intellectually i know it's not necessarily better that we don't fight out loud we just don't talk to each other for a long time when we're mad or something you know like i don't know it's very easy to internalize ideas about how you were raised that it was the best way or the mm-hmm. only way and you don't even you can't even verbalize it. It's just part of your bones, you know, like Mm -hmm. this is how it's done. And this is how it's not done for these kids. They get to be raised by this dad who is passing along, you know, some kind of heritage from however many generations back that this is how they do it. And when he wants help, he asked me for help. And, and, but we went through a long period of time where it, you know, he just asked me to butt out. And it was really hard. I had to, oh, I just had such a strong reflex to, mm-hmm. to um, say something or do something to soften what I thought was a too stern approach mm-hmm. from I can, him. I can empathize with that when you've got different streams that are mixing and you've got to like kind of partition them. I can, yeah, uh, I yeah. can understand that. So, um, I mean, I'll, I'll just give you a little example there last summer we had both of my now adult stepkids living here with us because of COVID. So we were, you know, four adults under the same roof, like really not going anywhere for four or five months. We were all starting to get on each other's nerves a little bit, but there was a period of time over a few weeks where I could see that my stepson was trying to talk to his dad about what he was studying at school, you know, but he was trying to, make a connection around that and ask for advice. And like, he was, you know, constantly trying to bring his dad into this field of study that he was doing and to get his perspective and ask, and dad just kept blowing him off. Hmm. And I'm like biting my tongue and biting my tongue and not saying anything. And so I finally waited for one of those moments, you know, and this has been going on for weeks. And, and I finally said, you know, honey, it seems to me that sometimes I notice that, you know, your son is really just, you know, he really, what he wants is for you to just kind of talk to him about this stuff, whatever. And my husband held up his hand. He said, you can stop right there. He said, I've already been reamed out about that. And I was very happy to hear that my stepson had confronted his dad on his own Mm -hmm. and said, dad, what the hell? Like, 
I keep trying to talk to you about this. You keep blowing me off and whatever that I don't know what they said because I wasn't there. But the fact that I stayed out of the way allowed a very nice natural evolution of this thing to happen where the, this kid stood up for himself to his dad. Like that's a great growing up moment. And the dad said, you know what? You're right. That was shitty of me. I'm sorry. I did that. It's pretty great. Like, what could be better than that? Right. So yeah. I know that when I interfere, I'm impeding those, those moments from happening. Yeah. And the little things when, when dad gets to say, you know, I'm sorry about that. That's a moment for him to say, you know what else I'm sorry about and back up and grab something else that, you know, whatever, but that's like, those are, and, or the kid can say, and you know what else I'm mad about? So it's so important to have that. And we don't, at the, in the moment, you don't, you don't see the bigger picture. You know, you're just trying to put out fires and that's me. Like I'm all about putting out little fires, you know? So I have to get out of my own way and get out of their way. And when I've observed how, how much better it goes in my family from doing that, then I pass that along. And then the women that I see in my group and the women that I work with tell me that it works magic for them too. That's great. So we have a couple questions. Yeah. I want to transition over to that. Sure. So the first question, um, if there are kids on both sides, how can we blend the family? The, the short answer is that everybody parents their own kids. People think that everything has to be fair, you know, like that, that the goal is to make everything fair so that all the kids are treated equally somehow. And kids are really okay with the idea that things aren't fair or they're not the same everywhere. Like they know that the rules aren't the same at Johnny's house as at my house or, you know, like my, my, uh, my next door neighbor gets a later bedtime than me or, or the older siblings get to go to bed later and the younger ones have to go to bed earlier. They're faced with unfairness in many aspects of their lives that it's just, it is how it is. So I think as parents, we fight extra hard to apply this layer of fairness that maybe the kids don't need it that as much as we think. Mm. And also, I think what's the like fair is when the mom says to her kids, you have to do this this way because I'm your mom and I'm not the mom of those kids. And dad says the same thing. He says, I'm your dad. These are my rules. And her rules apply to her kids and they have a dad in another house and he gets to make their rules. And that goes okay. What they don't want, what's not fair is a new mom telling you what her rules are or a new dad having rules that you have to follow. That sucks, but it's always okay that your mom's rules are your rules and they're not the same as the rules of the other kids. And they can say, that's not fair. He gets two hours on his iPad and I only get 15 minutes. The answer is I'm your mom. And those are the rules. What sucks is when you move into a new house and mom decides that everybody only gets 15 minutes on their iPad and dad sticks up for her because he, she's his wife and not sticking up for his kids. That's where it gets, Mm. where it gets iffy, but it's always okay to parent your own kids and to leave the other kids alone. Makes sense. How can we take some of the stigma away from, from being the stepmom. <laughs> That's what I'm working on, man. That's yeah. it, it. It's um, I think part of it is more and more women owning it, like, you know, joining these groups and reading about, you know, there's so many nice books. Now there's stepmom magazine is a fantastic monthly hmm. publication. That's been, you know, they've been, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 years. It's a long time that wow. she's been um, doing that. And I think there's kind of a bigger issue and a a guy who was a guest on my podcast, Johnny Jensen, he has a, he has an organization called team super dad and he has a podcast and a website and a Mm. similar, you know, men's support group in, in the UK. And we were talking on my podcast and he said something that I thought was really smart that, As a society, we need to 
um, we need to address like how people move on from divorce in the sense of how all the bystanders move on from a divorce, all the bystanders in your life, how they help you or hinder you from moving on. Like we need to change that in the same way that we've changed the, like the me too movement or that like things that used to be okay, that just aren't okay anymore. Like that it's just not okay to, you know, slap a waitress on the behind when she mm. walks by, like it used to be, um, it was probably never okay, but it used to be tolerated, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. It used to be tolerated between like guys, let's say, or between like your buddies would do it or your, you know, or women would talk about, you know, how they're like really turning the screws on their ex and I'm going to soak him for everything or whatever. Like Hmm. bystanders need to say, that's not okay. Like this is the father of your children. He's always going to be in your life. Don't do this. That's not okay. Or like, I'm going to, you know, I know how to get him. I'm going to charge him with, with sexual assault and we'll just watch him twist in the wind. You know, someone else has to say that's not okay. And the bystanders have to like, not buy into that anymore and not participate. And to just have this sea change, like the, you know, these tipping points where suddenly it just comes to be that it's not acceptable anymore to do that. So I think that, that that will slowly um, like maybe that's the kind of place that it has to start because we do have these archetypes of the, the step, you know, the, the single mom, the single dad, the stepmom and the stepdad. And the single mom is always a saint because she's raising her kids on her own. Now that, you know, that this guy left her and the single dad is a, is a deadbeat doesn't matter how much he's paying or how much he sees the kids. Like if you're a single dad, there's a big question mark over your head. Like you either are or aren't a deadbeat dad. Right. And the stepmom is probably the woman who broke up the marriage. Even if she met him five years later, there's always this aura of like, is she the one that, you know, he ran off with her from the other, like, and that's why like the other soccer moms don't want to talk to you when you're there as a stepmom, because they're not too sure what role you play in this whole, you know, they knew the other wife and, you know, are you the other woman who dragged him off? And, and the stepdad is some kind of hero who's just like mopping up after deadbeat dad. Hmm. And like, none of those are real, but they're real archetypes. That's what everybody's, you know, everybody's working with as we go through life. So we need to change all of those things. So it was just a comment that <laughs> the s- stereotypes just blew somebody's mind in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. Like uh, the, the bystanders that you talk about are, um, they're 98% of the situation in a given capsule of a divorce or separation. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah it's, it's very real. The next question. And then I'll ask mm-hmm. the final one after that. Do you have any tips for handling abusive situations? where the bio mom is abusive towards her kids or the bio dad. Yeah, it happens a lot. I mean, certainly I have heard, and I don't know, like I can't even remember where I saw this statistic, so I shouldn't, you know, throw it around, but I read somewhere that up to 80% of, up to 80% of divorce situations with kids involve some degree of parental alienation. So like at the, at the, at the easiest level that the mom or the dad is just saying things unconsciously, like, you know, oh God, you sound just like your mother when you say that, Mm. or, you know, oh, don't tell me you're going to start building model airplanes. Now I just got rid of one of those guys. Now I've got another one, you know, like those little comments going all the way to like full blown taking the kids away so you can't find them or not, not allowing the visitation in the court ordered times or whatever. But that's, that is emotional abuse. It is in every case, emotional abuse. Mm. You would hope that if there's, you know, some kind of physical abuse happening that you can involve the child protective services in some way. But I know that we, we, my husband resorted to that at one point and it was, 
really unsatisfying experience to know that a you know that a care worker a caseworker had gone to the house and interviewed the children with the mom standing right beside them like mm. what did what were you expecting them to say with her standing there like really like that's all your training as a child care <laughs> worker like you didn't that wasn't like the number one on the list thing so yeah that was really hard i did just do uh, well not just maybe 6 months ago i did a, a webinar about specific tools for helping a child who has to continue living at least part of mm. the time with a, an abusive parent. And, um, you know, there are lots of things that you can do to empower a child to, you know, to know that they have a safe place at your house. It's really important. It's really important to not telegraph your disapproval while at the same time supporting the child and how they feel because they don't want to tattle. They don't want their mom to get in trouble. And uh, like, if you fly off the handle, they might not like be likely to um, say anything again. But at the same time, you can't blow it off because they need your support. So it's mostly focusing on how the child feels and what you can do to help them feel better and um, giving them some language to use when something's not okay with their mom, you know, giving them some actual language around how to address things that are happening that, um, that they don't like, you know, to say something like, I don't like it when you say bad things about dad, it makes me sad. Mm. You know, uh, whatever you can, we can work on sample phrases according to the situation but but yeah there's a lot you can do to help the kids empower themselves if that if it's serious you have to do what you can to involve the authorities but I, I there's not so many great stories of how that worked out really well for yeah. people mostly it's misused mostly it's it's the abusive parent who uses the child protective service as a as a weapon against the other parent and makes up stories and sends the authorities to their house repeatedly with false allegations. That's mostly, I bet that's most of their work. Wow. Sad to say. That's I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm full of baloney and they would tell me that's not true. <laughs> they, their days are filled with, you know, with legitimate cases, but I, I really hear it a lot. Mm. Um, so one final question before mm. I let you go, what would you say to a woman who is worried about the well being of their husband or their partner? Yeah, um, I think it's important to continue to offer different levels of situations for him to engage. Like, there's a book you can read, here's a podcast you can listen to, here's a number you can, you know, here's the, like, the hotline number, if it's serious, like, you have to know about the, you know, suicide hotline. It's okay to you know, for you to kind of scope out therapists or look for, you know, like to scroll through betterhelp.com and kind of scope out who might be, you know, you can look for those kind of opportunities. But I think every guy is at a different moment of his ability to engage in getting help. And so everyone has to be able to consume whatever they can, you know, to integrate whatever they can in their own way. So it's books, it's podcasts, it's videos, it's joining a support group like this one, or, you know, the one that I have, it's um, reaching out for coaching, there are, I mean, there used to be, I think, places that had live groups and get togethers, certainly, mm -hmm. certainly, there are plenty of kind of the 12 step type of programs, where, you can go in person. And I, I mean, it's just sucks right now because we're, we're in this weird moment where people don't have the one-on-one -on -one contact. So it's not, it's not so easy to even find a therapist that you can see for real in the same room. And that's a real shame because it's a big, big difference with, with being online. I mean, we're doing the best we can with this, mm -hmm. but it's not the same as being in a room with somebody, but I would say just, you know, to keep the communication open, to keep, make sure that you're making time to be together and not letting that, like just life 
overwhelm you where everybody's just busy all the time and then you're in zone out mode where you just veg in front of the TV or on your screen or something, you know, you have to take some moments to be together at like, and you have to work it in, you have to work it into the schedule. You have to schedule it in like other appointments. I, it's kind of gross to say that, but <laughs> you, you do kind of have to do that or else it falls by the wayside. Yeah. I, as, as a guy hearing what you said, that would resonate with me. It does resonate with me to have multiple different ways to engage. So I, I think I totally agree with that. Good. So Tracy Poisoner, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm, I appreciate the invitation. It's really great to be here. And I hope that I'll be able to contribute some value to your discord. Yeah, that's right. Anybody who's listening, Tracy hangs out in the welcome room. Um, yeah. And with... tag me, eh? Like if there's, I'm not always like hanging out all the time like oh, yeah, you are, yeah. but, but feel free to tag me and I'll, I'll jump in for sure. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you again, Tracy. I really appreciate you being here. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Visible Man podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps other people find the show. To keep up with all the great things going on with Visible Man, check out our website at visibleman.org. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at visibleman underscore org. We're on Facebook as well. As Jeff mentioned in the episode, the Discord server is now open to anyone of any gender as long as you're over the age of 18. To get the invite, you can visit any of our social media accounts or just check the show notes. For Visible Man, this is Jack Rollins reminding you that there's strength in vulnerability. Cheers. Cheers.